I I'm not a fan of the overreactions where it's like, oh, just give him the World Series trophy now because we've seen year yeah, in and year on. out how this stuff doesn't pan out. Like, sure, yeah. I mean, they can be really good, but if they don't win the necessary games come October, then it doesn't matter. But uh, with that said, can we just give them the World Series trophy now? Like, <laughs> like. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen of the United States. We're speaking from our box directly behind home plate. But you fans don't need to have me tell you what this is all about. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 3-0 Take, the official podcast of Dirt to Diamonds Baseball. Here are your hosts, Kyle Corwin and Nate Reyes. What up, what up, and welcome back to the 3 Take, the official podcast of Dirt to Diamonds Baseball. This is episode 84. I'll be your host, Kyle Corden, and I'm here with my co-host, Nate Reyes. Nate, you have a mic. I've got a mic, baby. It's official. It is official. I'm officially official. I've been waiting for this day <laughs> for far too long, and I'm just beyond thrilled that we're finally at this point. I, I honestly don't know why it's taken so long. I just, uh, I got in a groove of just holding up the phone and speaking into the speakerphone, man. Now I've got this, uh, this big, shiny, good-smelling microphone in my face. It just sounds glorious. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I'm just glad I'm just glad we got to it before episode 100. True. It's true. And it technically we're like a full year in right now, aren't we? Oh yeah, that's true. Let me pull up the date on that. I know we mentioned that a, a couple episodes ago. What's our uh I thought you said August 1st. You might be right. Let's see here. It was like right around that early August cuz you hopped on episode 2, as we all know. <laughs> episode three was the singing episode what do you know recapping the deadline august 1st 2018 bang who would have thought and here we are <laughs> yeah well here we are at least we finally got there better late than never right better late than never speaking I'm of better better late than never moves right now by the way i'm like scared to move yeah it picks up everything yeah. Uh, but as I was saying, better late than never. Uh, I'm glad you finally came to your senses and agreed that Cliff Lee was, in fact, the better uh, deadline move, as essentially agreed upon by all of the brilliant, intelligent what? baseball fans. That seems pretty evenly split to me. I don't know, man. There was. Bro, there's a ton of likes on my posts. There were some people coming after after me, but there wasn't much substance to their argument. Yeah, but the, somebody, but the people that had said, my back, the people that had my back were, I mean, they were using facts. Somebody said that I need to stop pretending that I know baseball. Which yeah, was, that was that was, was a bit nice. much. <laughs> I'm like low key. I agree with you, guy, but. <laughs> he's also the co-host of my podcast so one step too far no i have a lot of likes on my comments so i think it's pretty evenly split i don't know i'm not seeing it i'm simply not seeing it <laughs> uh in other news i don't this might be the first time we've mentioned it uh ross stripling 
pitcher for the Dodgers, the Los Angeles Dodgers, is going to be featured in an interview on the next episode. Episode, what is that, 85? Yeah, yeah. So that'll be, be fun, man. That'll be a fun one. Uh, we're already collecting some DMs. Got some Big good... shout out to our dude, Eric, first of all. Oh, yeah. Got to give mad credit to him. Uh, yeah, I was going to get to that, but that should have been the first thing I mentioned. Yeah, our guy Eric hooking us up with the uh, connection. Uh, still kind of unsure on how it kind of came to be, but... No idea. He reached out and was like, got the hookup. And I was like, all right, I'm going to reach out to our guy Ross. And <laughs> Ross is like, uh, yep, just got sent to the DL, so I got all the time in the world. So we're going to hop on uh tomorrow well i guess technically today thursday yeah uh, and have a chat with him and he will be i guess he's gonna be like i said episode 85 so we'll just have that ready to ready to roll on like i guess late sunday or monday uh, yeah so that'll be a fun one man normal schedule look at us not um, to mention like us knocking out two episodes in 12 hours that's also pretty impressive yeah that's I'm just a little overwhelmed right now. Not gonna lie, got a got a <laughs> lot of podcast info, yeah, just rolling through the brain right now. Uh, but yeah, those are those are things I wanted to get to before we hopped into baseball history. So what do we got? August first, the show August first, nineteen oh eight. Um, this one's stupid, bro. After successfully swiping second, Fred Tenney decides to return to first base on the next pitch because. And this is a name, Dummy Taylor, had remained at third during their attempted double steal, hoping this time to coax a throw from the Cardinal catcher to give the runner on third an opportunity to score. Tenney steals second base for the second time in the inning, but his teammate still stays put in the Giants' 9 2 victory over St. Louis at the Polo Grounds. How pissed are you if? If this dude's just running circles around the base and they're up 9-2, not cool, bro. Like, you got to chill. And when, at what point, did he just jog back to first base and no one noticed? Tell you what, man. Tag him. Tell you what. Talking about making baseball fun again, I mean, there couldn't be a more true statement. It just sounds (laughs) like back in the day, they were just wilding out. Like, they they had no regard for anything. They're just like, whatever, we're just going to do what we're going to do. Yeah, and his boy, Dummy Taylor, <laughs> sitting at third. No thanks. I'm not stealing home. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, 1935, Kitty Burke, an avid Reds fan, annoyed at Ducky Medwick's retort to her heckling. Okay, hold on. Did you say Kitty or Kitty? Kitty, like a, like a cat. So we've got a Kitty in this... Yeah. In this scenario, and, and ducky. ducky. Yeah. Oh my God. I didn't notice that at first. This what? gets better. That's unbelievable. Kitty Burke, an avid Reds fan, annoyed at Ducky Medwick's retort to her heckling by telling her she couldn't get a hit if she were swinging at an elephant, grabs Babe Herman's bat as she comes to the plate in the bottom of the eighth inning, comes onto the field demanding a turn at bat. After some consternation, Cardinal pitcher Paul Dean 
complies by tossing the ball underhanded to the popular local nightclub blues singer who grounds out to the pitcher, much to the delight of the cheering crowd. Baseball was fun. What a... (laughs) I just can't envision any version of that happening today. Like, I don't even know what that would look like. Just just a celebrity saying, like, I'm going to heckle this dude until he lets me on the field. Just, I I have no comment. I, I, I don't know what to say to that. And the Cardinal pitcher is like, yeah, okay, I guess I'll go along with it. Pitch to you. Clearly, they had nothing better to do with their time. They're just like, all right, <laughs> whatever, we're here. Might yeah. as well. Uh, too bad we don't have a final score in that one. It's probably like 38 to 17 or no something. No joke. Uh, 1981, the 50-day-long baseball strike, wiping out a third of the regular season, is settled when the owners and players agree on a pooling system for the compensation of free agents. The All-Star Game will mark the end of baseball's first ever mid-season work stoppage. So uh, 1981 is when free agents were agreed on, if you guys didn't know that. Finally. I feel like that would that took a long time. Just casual, like 80 years. Just dropping baseball gold on us, Nate. Yeah, no, no big deal. Um, this one's kind of cool. Uh, 2014 on Facebook, 29-year-old Pete Freights, the former Boston College baseball captain living with ALS, challenges the Howard Stern Show and a number of his friends to participate in the Ice Bucket Challenge. The post will become one of the catalysts that spark a viral call to action that will be taken up by celebrities including Matt Lauder, Ethel Kennedy, Martha Stewart, and former Red Sox captain Jason Veritek to raise funds and awareness for amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, often referred to as Lou Gehrig's disease. So Mr. Pete pretty started cool a pretty cool trend, which I did participate in back in the day. I did as well, man. That was yeah. that's no joke, man. That that is a that is a cold endeavor. Yeah, yeah, that was fun though. Good it's, times. It's one of those things where like it hits you and you get that like kind of initial shock and you just want to like just shake everything off. You're just like, <sighs> yeah, yeah. And back then you were just going straight buzz cut, right? So yeah, it was immediate. No, cold. Had no lettuce on the noggin. <laughs> uh, that wraps it up for baseball history, August first. Wraps it up for baseball history. All right, let's get to the good stuff. Uh, where do you want to start? You just want to go kind of in like chronological order? You want to start yeah. off with the Trevor Bauer slash Puig slash Reyes slash Moss slash Allen slash Nova slash Trammel move? Yeah. <laughs> Does that work? <laughs> Yeah, let's do it. I mean, I pretty much covered the whole transaction there, so do we just want to move mm-hmm. on to the next to one? wrap up, let's... <laughs> yeah. Pretty much covers yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, no, but Reds, shockingly, going after Trevor Bauer, not quite sure how to feel about that. Not going to lie. Makes no sense to me. Um, they're not in contention this year. And... Well, I mean, mathematically, yes, but... Yes, they are, they're but not. like... They are, but they're not. Yeah. Realistically, I don't think they are. 
And then what's what's even stranger, and we can talk on later, is that they go ahead and and uh, and send what's his face over to to the Giants, Scooter Jeanette. It's like if you were going for Trevor Bauer and like trying to make a run, why would you trade your All Star second baseman? Yeah, figured out. Doesn't make sense to me, but I mean Cleveland really cleaned up in that trade, so. Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, the biggest win to me in that trade was not getting Reyes, not getting Puig, but getting rid of Bauer. <laughs> like, I know, True. I know, there's probably a lot of people that disagree. Like, oh, like Bauer's a great asset; he's a great pitcher. I get that, but the dude is just weird. Like everybody yeah. knows that. I mean, the guy was at the game tonight, watching from like the right field bleachers. <laughs> what was that about with a backpack on what was that about i have no idea such a such a strange character and to me it just makes sense he's going to a place where quite frankly nobody really pays attention to baseball anymore true sorry if we have any reds fans on here but there aren't any i don't know puig i know you and i mentioned this the other day or I guess when it broke, we mentioned the fact that we thought Puig and Lindor would be good fits for each other, good, good match. Yeah, there in we were texting that to each other like at the same time. It's yeah, crazy. that's right. Yeah, that was like our initial reaction. Uh, so that'll be that'll be cool to see uh, those two link up. Um, Reyes, Framil Reyes is obviously a solid pickup. That'll be a nice boost offensively. Yeah, he's got like. 20-something bombs already, right? Yeah, uh, 27, actually. 46 yeah, RBIs. That's, that's a lot of pop to to trade for. I mean, they had a surplus of pitching, um, specifically starting pitching, and they didn't have the the power in the lineup that they were looking for from the outfield position. So it was like, this seems like a win-win to me. And I know Puig is kind of, uh, you know, a strange character, but... He's going to provide some pop a little bit, and uh, obviously Fran Mill is doing his thing all year, so it's like it seems to make sense to me. Yeah, Puig, you mentioned Puig with pop. He's got 22 bombs, 61 RBIs through 100 games uh, with the Reds, uh, or I guess I should say had. Um, but, yeah, you mentioned outfield. I'm pretty sure didn't the whole cargo experiment failed, right? Cargo, yeah, he, he went got, to the Cubs after that, after he, he got, got DFA'd. DFA'd. Yeah, so that didn't yeah. really work out well for him. Um, but, I mean, I think Puig will be reliable enough. He's not terribly consistent, but I think he'll be reliable enough at least for the remainder of this year, kind of see uh, or kind of reevaluate at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, but And I think we both agreed with Franmil. I mean, I don't think he's a spectacular outfielder. But the nice thing is, is that, you know, he's on a team that has a DH now. Right. And I think with that team, the pitching is you're in decent hands with pitching. Uh, so you don't have to have as much of an emphasis on defense, per se. Um, but, I mean, you think about other teams that are in that boat that would need more of a defensive boost. But... I mean, overall, good move across the board. I mean, was there any team? I mean, was there any 
team there that got the short end of the stick? I mean, I feel like. Well, strangely, I think the Reds did. Um, because with the Padres landing Taylor Trammell, who's, um, I believe, the 30th ranked prospect in all of baseball, uh, that's kind of a big win. Um, and I, from everything I've read and, and looked over, this dude's the real deal. So I think San Diego, um, again, just kind of stockpiles their situation. Um, Fran Mill Reyes is a very uh, similar comparison to Hunter Renfro as far as skill set. You know, average outfielder, got some pop, part of the lineup kind of guy. They kind of did the math and said, we, all, we already have that. Let's just go with Hunter Renfro. Um, and it looks like, you know, the athlete that Taylor Trammell is, is going to fit perfectly defensively. Yeah, you mentioned number 30 overall. He was, which uh, I can't remember if you mentioned this, but he is the Reds' number one prospect uh, per the MLB pipeline. So, yeah, I mean, I could see how giving that up could... It's just weird. It doesn't could, make sense. Yeah, it's it's it kind of just falls right in line with a, a number of these moves that we've seen in the past like week, I guess you could say, where it's just... Yeah teams adding that shouldn't be adding but then they're turning around and giving up things that essentially negate the move that they just made so it's like i'm not really sure like what was in the water around this deadline (laughs) like I, i just don't understand a number of these moves and as always with this stuff it's 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 one of those things where we're never going to know the full story. We're not going to know the conversations that go on behind closed doors. But I mean, you can I would think for the most part you can look at these deals and be like something's just not adding up. And you can yeah. if if it doesn't make sense now, you would hope that you could look maybe like a couple seasons down the road and be like, "Okay, I see what they're doing there." But I still feel like a number of these teams are making moves that neither help them now nor do they help them in one two three four seasons down the road right so again i just feel like that's been kind of a theme and i don't know yeah (laughs) i really don't know what to say on that definitely agree what uh what was the next one chronologically uh well it was just a big cluster today i mean you got I mean, frankly, you and I were both talking about it. We were relatively disappointed in the lack of moves leading up. I guess it would have been like 3 o'clock Eastern. And then bombs got dropped. Yeah, I mean, there was like a couple moves made like early afternoon. But for the most part, I mean, the the general feeling on social media was like, well, that was a, a depressingly slow and inactive trade deadline. In fact, a number of uh, a number of accounts like baseball analysts and everything kind of tweeted some stuff like that or like, well, that was boring. And then hours like an hour later, they got uh, cold take exposed or whatever immediately. Um, But as you said, within that within that kind of hour frame, uh, stuff just started happening. And like like you and I were texting about stuff was starting to trickle through after the 4 p.m. deadline because a lot of that had to get processed through the commissioner's office, I guess is how it works. 
Uh, yeah, I but, think, I mean, as long as it's faxed in for approval before that four o'clock deadline, um, the teams are good. It just takes us fans a little bit longer to hear the news. Yeah, so the next one I want to look at was, quite honestly, the biggest one. No real surprise. Uh, the Zach Granke move, Astros adding to their already lethal uh, rotation. It's just... I really don't even want to talk about it. It's one of those things where it's like they're already one of the best teams in baseball with arguably the best rotation in baseball. Yeah. And now they just got even better. And I I'm not a fan of the overreactions where it's like, oh, just give them the World Series trophy now because we've seen Year yeah, in, year on. out, how this stuff doesn't pan out. Like, sure, yeah. I mean, they can be really good, but if they don't win the necessary games come October, then it doesn't matter. Right. Uh, I mean, obviously, their chances are better now with this addition, but um, yeah, I'm just not a big fan of overreactions. But uh, with that said, can we just give them the World Series trophy now? Like, <laughs> like I mean, uh, it's scary. 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 Um, you know, there's a very good chance. There's a very good chance that the uh, the AL postseason can be going through Houston. Um, but truthfully, I think that this was a win-win trade uh, for the Diamondbacks and Astros. The Diamondbacks Actually. got back a haul, like you said. Uh, we were texting earlier, and the Diamondbacks just freaking cleaned up, man. Very smart. Um, I think they did. Um, you know, a pretty decent job looking in the mirror and saying this probably isn't our year based off of, um, you know, the way the Giants have surged, the way um, the NL East and how tight that is. The second wildcard spot is going to be real tough to get. And so they just did the math and said this is a big contract and, you know, why not get a big return? And um, they actually sent... Uh, $25 million, I think it was, back in the deal, too. So it's just a very win-win scenario. Yeah, you mentioned the the haul that Dimebacks got. They got uh, Seth Beer, which if you're even the slightest fan of college baseball, you probably remember him from his Clemson days. Uh, dude just mashes. Uh, J.B. Bukakis, who is a pitcher... Stud pitcher, Corbin Martin and Josh Rojas. Um, Beer, Bukakis, and Martin are actually their number three, four, and five prospects. So kind of like you said, quite the uh, quite the haul they got back. And I just think it makes sense, kind of like we were just saying. It's they're they're literally wasting Granky's time there. He's not doing anything but getting older. So it's like, just get rid of him. In fact, I, quite honestly, I really don't know why they got him in the first place. It didn't make sense to me either. I was pretty disappointed when he signed years back. Because it's like, was there ever a window there where right. they thought that they had, they legitimately thought they had a serious run in them? It just, I don't know. It didn't. To me, it, there's there's a group of teams that see just getting to the to the postseason as a as a successful year you know what i mean right they're definitely in that group there are groups that it's it's world series or bust and that's totally understood but 
when you fall into the category of just making the postseason, what's really the point of paying this dude all this money? And it's not like he didn't perform. I mean, I've dogged on him a lot throughout the throughout, you know, our show. And it's it's mainly because he's just he's kind of strange and he's got some strange anxiety thing that like it makes it difficult for him to pitch in big cities, I guess, or whatever. But um, the dude performed and he pitched really well for the time he was in Arizona. Well, you mentioned kind of the anxiety and the pressure. My question is with this situation is the pressure off of Granky now a little bit? Not that it necessarily wasn't Arizona, because again, there was no real uh, threat of there being any playoff run in their future. Yeah. Uh, so even though he was their guy, he didn't need to be if he didn't if he didn't want to, honestly. Yeah. But now that he's on a team that is uh, poised to make a run to the World Series, um, I don't think he needs. To be the guy, be, I mean, he, well, he's not the guy. Even if he wanted to be, he's not the guy because you, I mean, you got Verlander, you got Cole, Wade Miley. So, I mean, he's gonna probably slot in there as their number three behind Verlander yeah. and Cole. Um, so, although Houston has a little bit higher expectations, do we think that he might be able to thrive in this situation where he's? looked at as the number three guy and not necessarily expected to go out there and pull in Verlander type numbers. The strange thing for me is that, um, you know, a, a lot of people talk about chemistry on a team and they talk about like, well, are they going to blend well? Um, you know, that conversation comes up pretty often in the NBA with all these like super teams that they create for this scenario. In my opinion, when amazing pitchers get together i think only positive stuff can come out of it when you have granky hanging out with verlander i mean i think it's a big reason why garrett cole has has become such a household name is because he's been hanging out with verlander right you know it's like you you can't help but bounce stuff off of each other and ask these questions and ask i mean imagine when wade miley's on the bump and all three of those dudes are in the dugout chilling together asking each other, you know, scenarios, grip on what pitch, um, how do you attack this guy, you know, stuff like that. Um, I think it can only be a positive thing, I really do. And I see what you're saying about the pressure, um, but the fact that he slots in the third spot, I mean, when you're looking specifically at a postseason series, the third guy is is – going to be facing a third guy in the other pitching rotation against the opposing team that is not nearly as good as him and I don't care what team you bring up that's pretty much every team um so I think you're right I think the pressure goes down yeah I mean you mentioned Wade Miley too he's going to be their number four and just some numbers on him in 22 starts this season He's nine and four with a three oh six ERA. To have yeah. that as your number four, yeah. I was just, I was just thinking. I have a stat <laughs> that I wrote down: is that all um, their four pitchers, all four of those guys, rank in the top fifteen in ERA in the MLB, not just the AL, the whole league. Which is just scary to think about. Top fifteen. Well, three of those guys are in the top five in 
on the whip leaderboard. Verlander's at uh, number one at 0.81. Granke's third at 0.95. And Garrett Cole is at one. So it's like... It's really insane. And I mean, jeez. To to kinda to kinda piggyback on one of our DMs here, before I ask uh Jacob's question, I'm also gonna include the fact that the Astros traded for Aaron Sanchez from the from the Blue Jays, who isn't so bad himself and is gonna be a very nice bullpen option for them, or maybe a fifth starter. And then they also brought back Martin Maldonado who is just going to be a very comfy rotation at the catcher position for them because he was there last year. So Jacob asks, and I'm asking you this same thing, are the Astros immediately the favorites to win uh, the AL East? Or, I mean, the AL. Yeah, Sorry. I mean, there's... audience slip there. The, <laughs> I mean, frankly, they're good enough to win the AL East, too. I mean, that's just... <laughs> that's how good they are this year. Uh, but no, I mean, it's, you would be crazy. And again, I know I mentioned, I'm not big on the overreactions, but even before this move, you're still, if you're the Astros, you're still in a pretty good position to win the American league. Yeah. But now it's just like, okay, now they we're just, really now we're just toying with up. the league. Yeah, they really yeah. did. I mean, and that's, I, <laughs> for Aaron Sanchez was, um, arguably like the number two or three guy in the rotation for the blue Jays. And he's just going to slide into like a middle relief role for them. That's crazy. And, you know, Aaron Sanchez actually reminds me of a younger, um, Charlie Morton. And if you remember before Charlie Morton got to Houston, he was just a sinker baller, much like Aaron Sanchez is right. 90, 91, 92 with sink. And then all of a sudden, something happened in Houston, and the pitching staff was like, or the coaching staff was like, dude, let's just let it eat and let it rip. Now all of a sudden, he's climbed up to 97, and he goes and gets himself a, a good deal during uh, the offseason with free agency. I wouldn't be surprised if Aaron Sanchez does the same thing, kind of gets rid of that sinker, and all of a sudden you see Velo go through the roof. Yeah, all I know is the Astros are going to have a relatively easy walk throughout the playoffs. Like yeah. they're going they're going to get challenged. I mean, there's some offenses out there that are dangerous, but I think we've seen in years past and it's kind of just a given in baseball that pitching is what gets you through October. Yeah. And Frankly, I don't really care what offense you throw at this rotation. It's not really going to matter. It's um, going to be tough. But it's going to be real tough. The one thing I will note before we wrap this uh, Astro stuff up is the fact that Granky is under control. And this may be a very easy transition if Garrett Cole decides to sign somewhere else for free agency next year. Yeah, because he would essentially, Granky would essentially slide into the yeah. two spot then at that yeah, point. Yeah, pretty much. And then you're, you know, you're still Verlander and Granky is still a very, very nice one too. Yeah, I mean, it's not terrible. I mean, <laughs> I've heard of worse. Uh, but moving right along here, uh, let's hop into the other league. Let's look at the Braves, what they were able to accomplish today. There was, I mean, 
I'm just going to say it. There was a number of teams out there that needed pitching. And there's a lot of talk about said teams needing pitching. And within those teams, within those front offices, uh, there was talk about moves that could be made. But at the end of the day, the Braves just went out and did it. Yeah. The Braves, the Braves were not messing around today. They went out and essentially plugged the holes that they needed to plug. And they're looking much better um, in terms of this kind of division right now because there for a while Washington was creeping up on them. But after this uh, series, uh, I guess this weekend, wasn't it? I think they took... I think they took two out of three from the Nats. Um, so yeah, I mean yeah. they're they're in good shape. Uh, yeah. with kind of that that gap in the in the division. And then once you get into October, assuming they, they slide in there with ease, they're they're looking pretty good. Yeah. Um amazing job. If if there is anything like if there's anything such as like a GM of the year award. Our dude in Atlanta definitely takes it. Um, to get Acuna and Albies locked up for a freaking dime on the dollar, to get to a point in the season where you're playing really good ball and you realize we have a big hole, and that specifically is in our bullpen and the back end, and just go lock it up like that in one day? Um, it looks like to me, the Chris Martin cat from the Rangers is going to slide into the seventh inning. Then you have Mark Melanson, who at one point was one of the best say, uh, you know, closers in the game is going to slide in the eighth. And now you got, um, you know, a Shane green from Detroit, who's been having a really good year to close up the ninth. That is pretty insane to me to be able to do that. And, and just, uh, that is one of those one of those I say one move and it's three moves that the clubhouse just read on updates on their phone or got passed along through you know through whoever that they just got straight fired up like they got pumped hearing about that yeah that there, there's amazing. nothing that there's nothing that says this is the year when your front office is out there making moves like this because it's like if they're looking down the road and they're saying kind of like what what we're talking about with the Diamondbacks, where it's like you look at this situation, it's not it's not our year, but we can maybe make some moves for later down the road. To me, kind of like you said, nothing fires a team up more than going out and making moves like that, right? Because you know, leading up to the deadline, there's just rumors swirling, and they hear about it in the clubhouse the same way we do. Like they're just they're on their phones. They, I mean, we've heard we've heard a lot of. Uh, or we've heard a number of instances where guys find out about trades like in unique ways on their yeah. phones or from fans. It's it's how wild. about that? How about the dude, um, the left fielder or whatever for the Reds finding out about the Puig trade from a fan I in s- left field? I saw that he was like, "What is it? Just one for one? Like, what was the deal?" <laughs> That's um, insane. But even more so to your point, yeah, yeah, the guys, guys find out just like us. Yeah, and it just. Nothing can get you fired up more than when you just know that your front office is behind you and they're pushing for something to happen this year. And and, and, and to hit the nail on the head, not just make some questionable move that they already were covering. 
Yeah, this is covering yeah, a big add, need for the Braves. Right. Or yeah, like you said, just kind of adding to a surplus or something. You you're going out yeah. and getting exactly what you need, and you're gonna continue moving forward playing good ball. So I think, like I said, I think the Braves put themselves in a fantastic position, uh, and kind of doing what you did with pulling up one of the DMs, one of the uh, DMs from Matt actually asked about the NL deadline winner. And I think you and I are both in agreement that uh, the Braves are our national league d- deadline winner. Oh yeah. It's, it's really not even close to me. That's, there was a genius day for them. And like I said, I, they're going to go, they're going to go ham. I think. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking so too. Um but last thing I've got on that whole deal with the Braves is you mentioned they went in and nailed it on the head. They only had to give up 3 of their top 30 prospects for this. They didn't have to they didn't have to unload, they didn't have to it wasn't yeah, they're not a, losing three top 10s. Right, it wasn't a lopsided trade where where they're shipping out like six guys and only getting a handful back like they parted way with three of their guys and they like you said filled in the holes accordingly so yeah and i think this also can put to bed um any angry fans uh that were upset about them not getting craig kimball or yeah even like i was thinking that and even not getting Bumgarner or stroman because you know that brave fans were big on that too it's like yeah you didn't yeah. get those guys but you addressed a as we've said already you addressed a need and you are still despite not getting either of those starters you're in great shape so yeah there are teams in the national league that are in much uh, worse situations than you are. So if anything, sure. I would just be happy with where you're at. For sure. Uh, and then lastly here, one of the main headlines, I mean, as we've already alluded to, just a huge number of moves made today. Uh, some more major, some more minor, but one of the last headlining type moves that I wanted to cover was the Jesus Aguilar. Uh, move to the Rays. Quite honestly, <laughs> Jesus Aguilar. Yeah, but what team did he go? I'm so sorry. This is ridiculous. Has it been that long? Uh, maybe. Have we just not covered them? And <laughs> like, it feels like it's been weeks now that you mentioned that. Well, go ahead and correct yourself, sir. <laughs> Rampate Bays. Uh, quite honestly, I'm thinking the sneaky move of the deadline for sure. Like the yeah. sneaky good move of the deadline. Yeah, I think, um, I think that was a really good move. Do you know by chance what Milwaukee got in return? Uh, they got Jake Feria. Uh, bullpen guy, I think, right? He's a reliever. Uh, yes. Pretty sure he's a reliever. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, uh, I think, uh, Rampa made some really, um, low key smart moves, um, with Jesus Aguilar. I know you weren't big on it and I know it hasn't really gotten too much coverage, but I feel like the Eric Sogard thing is going to sneaky sneak into 
the same conversation. But specifically with Jesus Aguilar, we all know it's been a down year for him. He got off to an insanely slow start. But uh, I think that's a, a big, big bat that's going to join that lineup. Well, Nate, I got some numbers for you. He started off slow, surely. But in 28 games since June 6th, he's hitting 370. And since July 4th, his OPS is 947. Mm. So my guy's heating up. So yeah. not a bad move for a club that uh, currently sits in second place of the division and looking to, I would think, shoot for a wild card spot at this point. Yeah, not for a, sure. Not a bad move. Not a bad move. Um, you know, it's it, to me. I I really root. I've always kind of liked Jesus Aguilar, but I'm really gonna I'm really gonna root for a guy. Um, to I mean, it's gonna be insanely difficult to switch leagues, um, and and try to keep up that productivity. Um, that he's had in the last few weeks. And so, yeah, I don't know, but uh, something tells me it's going to be a good fit and that um, I think they typically have the uh, G-Man Choi playing first base. And so for him and Jesus to pretty much just alternate between first and DH, um, yeah, that's going to work. It's going to work just fine. Yeah, I'm ex- I mean, granted, it's at the expense of my squad, but I am excited to see how the Rays kind of, I don't want to say live up to the expectations, but I think it's clear at this point as they've been for the most, or for the majority of the season, they've been pretty legit and we're now entering the month of August and they're still here. So I'm excited to see how not only the, the division race pans out, but, uh, just to see what kind of position they put themselves in come October. So, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, lastly, here uh, I wanted to, which we kind of already done, but I wanted to go over your list of winners and losers mm-hmm. of the deadline. I had mm-hmm. I had three winners, three losers. Let's see them. All right, so winners, obviously Houston. Yeah. Cleveland, for reasons yeah. we've already discussed. Quite honestly, my top reason for them being winners, I got rid of Trevor Bauer, but that's my own opinion. Yeah. Uh, and then the Braves, as yeah. my sole National League deadline winner. Uh, my losers, hate to break it to you, but don't think this is a surprise to you. The Yankees. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't get their guy Madison Bumgarner, they didn't get Zach Wheeler or Robbie Ray. Uh, also, the Red Sox because they didn't get a closer. Mm-hmm. Literally, the one thing they needed didn't get it. And then, kind of off the radar here a little bit, the Cardinals because mm-hmm. similar to the Yankees, they also did not pick up a starter, which they desperately need. Uh, but supposedly they were reluctant to meet 
current asking prices for the guys they were looking at, which kind of a lame excuse if you're in a tight division <laughs> race and you need to add somebody to your rotation to give yourself a better chance of winning the division. Yeah. Um, but to each their own, I suppose. But uh, yeah, those are those are my winners and losers. I had <laughs> the exact same list except for the Cardinals, um, which is kind of funny because, you know, two minds think alike, two genius minds. We're basically um, we're basically the same person. Yeah, pretty pretty much. But uh, no, I I think I kind of went with the crowd here and chose the Dodgers. Um, as uh, the one that didn't have the best uh, trade deadline day. Um, the Yankees, the Sox um, are two pretty pretty obvious ones to me, um, especially with what's going on with the Yankees. A little bit of a slide the last week and a half, um, and then we got dudes going on the DL, and it's just, you know, starting pitching has been atrocious. It's, uh, it seemed like the perfect time to get a little boost but, um, you know, from everything I read and similar to what you just said, uh, the asking price was really high on a lot of these pieces. And so overall, I think I'm going to say that, you know, anything from the Bumgarner trade to the Wheeler trade to the Syndergaard trade to the, uh, what's the other big one? Who am I missing? Uh, I don't know. Any of those trades that didn't go through? are ones that I think the teams are just asking for a little too much. Oh, Robbie Ray. That was the one I was thinking of. Um, asking for a little too much. And it sounds weird, but maybe sometimes it's, you know, the move you don't make that's a smarter decision. So, I don't know. I think um, I think a lot of teams like to bolster up their prospects and say that they're really good and kind of get that out on the street. And what we saw today were some of those teams that have really good arms kind of call those teams bluff. Say, all right, well, we want them. And, and you know, they asked for too much. Um, and it just didn't, it didn't work out. So, oh, well, day's done. I like that the deadline is here and that we don't have to worry about random stuff sneaking in when we wake up on August 13th. And you know what I'm saying? Like, we're good to go. This is it. These are the rosters we're going to have going into, into October, man. So safe to say you're a big fan of the singular deadline. I'm a big fan of it. Um, it was, I wasn't a big fan until like three 45 today, but, uh, I mean, it didn't disappoint. Yeah, that was the thing I was thinking too. Where I mean, it was like three forty-five, and I'm like, <laughs> once again, one of these new rule changes or proposals do not impact the actions of yeah. ownership or anything. Yep. And then, as we saw minutes later, uh, big moves were a happening. Yeah, I do. Um, I did hear. Sorry, did hear that uh, there is an expectation for owners to push back the deadline in the future, though, to not have August first as hard deadline. Yeah, I, think they, I saw that. I think what they kind saw of August, crap is August that? August fifteenth or whatever. 
What kind of crap is that? Like, if you don't have your mind made up by August 1st or July 31st, I guess. Yeah. What are you doing? Figure it yeah, out. It's figured out. The, the August out. 15th is a little too much. A uh, little too much. But um, do you want to run through some of the other trades that uh, that's not as popular but uh, still notable? Well, I was going to say, you heard that there is a uh, pushback or a proposed pushback for the trade deadline. Uh, I heard that SeatGeek has answered to all your ticket needs. <laughs> I had you there for a second, didn't I? A little bit. Are you looking for jerk. tickets? Do you have plans with friends or family to make it to an upcoming game or concert? Or are you even looking months ahead to nail down a date to get tickets before they sell out? With SeatGeek, you can find tickets to games, concerts, shows, and even theater performances with just a few easy clicks. We're making it even better for you if you're a first-time user SeatGeek. Next time you add some tickets to your cart, use our promo code DTD at checkout to save $20 instantly off your first purchase as a first-time user. That's all you got to do to save some of that. Cold hard cash. Oh, that was intimate. Enter promo code DTD at checkout. <laughs> so yeah run us through some of these uh other trades yeah um some other notable ones i think uh nick castellanos to the cubs was a pretty big one tigers get which by uh, the way you that was your guy you had a feeling right you said he, you thought he was gonna get traded somewhere i did i did i don't i think i said did you ha- i think you had a specific team i don't remember who you said i I bet you there's listeners right now just screaming the team that you had, but I can't can't think of it. I want to say the Indians, honestly, because I talked about outfield help there. I don't know. Um, Tigers got the 12th and 21st ranked prospects back uh, in that trade. Um, let's see. The twins got Sam Dyson and Sergio Romo. I know that Sergio Romo one was a few days ago. Um, but, uh, what's strange for me is that the giants returned for Sam Dyson. Uh, they got three prospects that don't even rank in the top 30 for the twins rankings. So like, what's the point even there? Uh, kind of strange. At least try to get like one. Diamondbacks randomly got Mike Leak, probably to fill a rotation spot that uh, I think we, you know, covered a little. Uh, and they also got Zach Gallen from the Marlins. Um, Gallen was the number three ranked prospect in Miami. Um, looks like he's going to be a good bullpen arm and a good option for the Diamondbacks. I'm sure we'll get flipped at some point, but uh, they do have control of him for a little bit. Miami in return got uh, Arizona's top ranked prospect at the shortstop position. Um, and they also, Miami also sent a couple of relievers to the uh, Rampate Bays and uh, got in return their fourth-ranked prospect, Jesus Sanchez. Um, Nationals, your guys, did some work. Uh, helped out the bullpen a little bit. Got Ruinous uh, Elias. And Hunter Strickland from the Mariners, and also got Daniel Hudson from the Blue Jays. So I know uh, that was a big question mark for the Nationals lately. 
I saw able to where, pull that off. I saw where somebody said that now that Hunter Strickland's in the division, same division as Harper, that's going to be part two of that little rivalry. Yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm down. I'm honestly very down. Which, by the way, now that I'm thinking about it, how did we not even mention the brawl? True. Yikes. What happened there, man? That was pretty awesome. I liked it a lot. Not going to lie. I mean, um, you what's got his face for the Reds? Just like charge the dugout with taking no fear. on like the entire city of Pittsburgh <laughs> and like surrounding cities, knowing his dudes are not close behind him. Like got swallowed up. It looked like when he when when he got his first like punch in and he knocked the dude's hat off. I don't know if he actually landed the punch or not. And then he just got like bombarded. It was like like a sea of zombies that just like swarmed on him. Like you see, like his arms flailing in the air. Yeah, if that, that would have been the end of that guy, I wouldn't have not been surprised. The, that was like a brawl, brawl. Like that wasn't one of these like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, draw off at you. Yeah. You're gonna like walk towards the dugout, and your guys are gonna make a nice little circle around you. No, like my guy was swinging. That was my first reaction too. I was like, this is what you know, baseball gets such a bad rap for. Is that like? Majority of our brawls are people just holding each other back. Not yeah, this I, I saw somebody tweeted there like I would tune in to watch a lot more baseball if this happened on a more <laughs> frequent basis. And I was like, yeah. can't disagree with you there. Yeah, uh, sure. But my biggest, the biggest issue I had with that whole situation is that the Reds and I tweeted about this is that the Reds decided to play. You've lost that loving feeling <laughs> as a way of like lightening the mood as things were kind of like dying down uh, or as they were like diffusing the situation essentially. Yeah. And I'm like, no, like if you're the reds, you got to play some like UFC WWE <laughs> walkout music and like really get these guys yeah, amped up and like kick it into the next gear. Like, yeah, I'm not trying sure. to get the fans to laugh. Like I'm here not, to see. Not to mention there were only like 48 fans there. Um, so. Yeah, I'm here to see like Coliseum style warfare. Like, give the people what they want. I don't. I don't need the mood to be lightened. I want bones to be broken. No, that's too much. But you get what I'm saying. Well, you know what doesn't break, and that's zinger bats. There's nothing better than a long, hard, all natural. I shaft give you an A wood. plus on that train. Uh, no, A plus is too too generous. I'm gonna give you a minus. Yeah, A- minus is substantial. Well, I'll take it. Shaft of wood with a clean knob that you can grab to use at your leisure. And thanks to Zinger Bats, you now have a variety of options to choose from. Creating custom bats for the pros since 1998, Zinger Bats is setting the new standard in professional baseball bat production. From their X71 Pro Maple to their back on case, you'll have all you need to light it up on the field this season. Best of all, Zinger Bats Company is now the presenting sponsor of the 3 Take. That's us. They want to show you, our listeners, some love. The next time you visit ZingerBats.com and stock up on some lumber, use promo code DTD to save 10% off your order. Again, use promo code DTD to save 10% off your Zinger Bats order. For that big league feel off the barrel, look no further than Zinger. Well done. Uh, Not too shabby. Were there some more trades you had to wrap up? couple other ones. I mentioned earlier the Martin uh, Maldonado trade to the Astros. The Cubs actually got Tony Kemp in return, which I think uh, is also another one of those low-key ones that could end up being pretty decent. 
he, um, he, you know, Joe Madden loves those guys. They can pretty much play anywhere, and he's an infield and outfield option. So that's going to be a decent fit. Um, the Phillies got a little busy. Uh, the Jason Vargas trade we saw, I think, yesterday or the day before. I don't remember. Yeah, that um, kind of flew under the radar a little bit, I feel like. The one that definitely flew under the radar was Corey Dickerson. How did no one even talk about that? Like, this dude's got some pop and plays pretty decent outfield. So um, that seems like a very nice fit. I think he's going to be he's probably hitting sixth. Fifth he's, or sixth he's behind been hurt Gamuto. Most, he's been hurt most of the season, hasn't he? I have no idea. Does, like, uh, what else, What happens in Pittsburgh? It, I don't think it reaches national news anymore. Man, come out swinging. <laughs> Jeez. Um, and lastly, oh, no, two more. Brewers, um, obviously they sold Jesus Aguilar, but they did add Jordan Lyles, Drew Pomeranz, and Ray Black. And lastly, the A's add Jake Diekman and Tanner Roark to their uh, to their rotation. Did and you see, I made a little note. <laughs> Did you see where Tanner Roark apparently found out about the trade? He was sitting in the parking lot of an Arby's eating like a beef and cheddar. That's that is <laughs> <laughs> the greatest. That's so amazing. Like that's what I'm Why saying. Why would you? Why would you open up about that? That's what I'm saying. Is like these guys. People think that. I mean, yes, they're like celebrities in their own sense, but like at the end of the day, they're just like your average, average Joes. And they find out about this stuff a lot or like in very similar ways that we do. So is that the train? That is the train. Nice. I'm not in my closet (laughs) anymore, man. I'm moving out this weekend. So I'm no longer in my recording studio, my, my walk-in closet. (laughs) <laughs> so uh, I'm just chilling out here like the old days, just chilling nice. out here in my in my room. So, um, lastly, my very last one about the A's stuff. Um, I thought it was pretty smart with the Billy Bean moves there. I think very economic and fills their needs. The Jake Diekman thing, um, I think, would be a good fit. Tanner Roark, uh, I think he's just a warm body. I don't know. Obviously, he's very warm after smacking down some I was about Arby's. To say, he's warm and full. Beef and cheddar. <laughs> uh, yeah, on uh, that note, I think it's probably safe to say that my ALS prediction has officially run its course. Yeah, I think so. As no. of August first. Yeah. Not not what I'm looking for. I'm I'm hanging on. I'm <laughs> I'm putting all my eggs into the Nationals basket. <laughs> that's that's pretty much the only one I got left. At Ride this point. that one. Ride that one. For quite sure. quite literally, I think that's the only like. What other one do I have left? That's even. I had the oh god! I don't even want to bring this up. This is just unbelievably bad. I've got the Red Sox winning the East. Not likely. Oh, the Indians. Yeah. I'm yeah, not, we're good there. We're I'm, good there. I'm putting pal. all my eggs into the Indians yeah. and the Nationals because everybody's just riding the Twins, and I'm like, no, yeah. it's nah. not gonna, not gonna maintain that. We said they could lose their first fifty, so yeah, so they could lose their first fifty and still win the division by double digits, which is basically <laughs> what they're on course to do. I don't know about the double digits thing, but they will win it. They're on. They're 
they're pacing themselves to do just that and <laughs> i'm i'm here for it yeah we're we're good we're okay we're not totally stupid no, kind of stupid you definitely didn't help your case with that whole role this chapman versus cliff lee thing but that's uh, beside the point but anyway was there anything else we had to cover that was a lot i'm, I'm um, exhausted uno mas dm that we didn't really cover uh brian asks um what teams put themselves in playoff consideration and which ones are at risk of not going i think we covered the not going part but what do you think um about teams that maybe were on the bubble that really did put themselves in 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 conversation now i'm gonna say the astros really jumped from like the bottom of the barrel and they're 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 looking pretty good right about now no i mean who who outside of who we covered really falls into that category like I, i feel like for the most part it's still kind of consistent. Like I don't see any any teams jumping other teams for wild card spots necessarily. I think it's just going to be sure. a matter of how things play out. Uh, I mean, I think I think the Rays. I don't. I won't say the Rays necessarily put themselves in a playoff contention because they're who. Sorry, the Bays. I don't think the Bays. The like the Bays were already there, but I think. Like I said, with that sneaky move with Aguilar and uh, solidifying a little bit of pop there, yeah, I think they kind of helped their chances. I, like I said, I don't think they necessarily put themselves in a position because they're, I guess, mathematically already there, right? Or are they still not in it yet? Are they still sitting outside that second spot? Uh, what? Let's check, my man. We have the. If I talk slow. We have the power of the Google machine. I will get there. I've already beat you there. The second playoff spot. Second playoff spot. So, second playoff spot. Second wild card spot. Uh, second wild card spot. Second wild card spot. So, yeah, I think the I think the Bays really really helped themselves out. That's all I got there. Um, sorry, Chico, you're not going to like this, but, uh, I think the Red Sox are really hurting their chances by not doing what you were hoping they would, you know, the closer role. I know that, uh, it's rumored that Evaldi is going to assume that role. Correct. Yep. And my take on that is that he will fit into that role just fine. Although I do too. I do needs, too. I... He needs time and we don't have time. That's the yeah. problem. Yeah, I I think he's extremely talented and very scary. Um, But, uh, you know, at two and a half back from the second spot, we talked about Cleveland making a surge for the the division. That means the Twins are going to fall in to the wild card conversation uh, with the Astros looking to walk away with it. The A's are going to stay in the conversation. And obviously we have the Rampate Bay's in that conversation too. So I honestly, I'm not just like being a, a douche here. Like I'm really being genuine that I think Boston is, is getting scary. It's getting sketchy. You know what I mean? It's the, uh, 
they didn't do what they needed to do, but I don't know. Only time will tell. Only time will tell. And on that note, I think that's all we got. Yay, yay. You got anything else? That's all I got. I'm tired. Well, as always, that'll do for us. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it and leave that rating and review. Nate. Yeah? How many stars? Let's say uh, the number of starting pitching wins the Astros are going to have in the next five games. Yo, speaking of the Astros rotation, I forgot to mention. Do you realize in a seven-game playoff series, it's going to be Verlander, Cole, Grinky, Miley, Verlander, Cole, Grinky? <laughs> <laughs> like, good night. That's that's all there is to say. Yeah, scary, bro. Good scary. Night. Uh, yes, five stars. And as always, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch back up with you guys early next week with the Ross Stripling episode. Don't go chasing curveballs. We love you all. And as always, looking forward to talking more baseball with you guys soon. Until next time, stay filthy.